Hello and we're back with another episode of Nice Talks. My name is Amy Thomas and I'm from the media team at Nice. We really hope you're enjoying these episodes and we want to hear your feedback so please do get in touch with us. Our Twitter handle is at NiceComs. You can also email us on nice at nice.org.uk. So yeah, please do get in touch. It'd be great to hear from you. So this time I went over to Public Health England to chat to Martin Dockrell. He was involved in developing the NICE guidance on smoking prevention and has worked in public health since the mid-1980s. My name is Martin Dockrell. I'm Tobacco Control Lead for Public Health England. Firstly, let's start off with a bit of context. Why is it important that we address smoking as a public health issue? Well, this is a really exciting time uh, in tobacco control in the UK. The latest data shows our smoking prevalence has got to a whisker under 15% in England, and that's the lowest on record. That's still about 6 million smokers, a little over 6 million smokers. It's still the largest cause of death and disease in in England. And what kind of diseases are we talking about here? Oh, shit, what kind of diseases aren't we talking about? It's pretty much not a disease you can have that can't be made worse by smoking. Smoking is the primary cause of an array of diseases, including lung cancer, COPD. I mean, there are over a dozen different cancers caused by smoking. But smoking can aggravate your asthma. If you have asthma or if you have diabetes, it uh, worsens your uh, long-term outcomes there. COPD, pretty much the only effective treatment you can give to a smoker Uh, with COPD is to get them to stop smoking. But then, you know, if you're going to have an operation, uh, if you can quit just before and after the operation for a few weeks either side, you can reduce your chance of uh, post-operative infections and speed up your recovery time. So you name it, and just about every organ of the body is affected adversely by smoking. Thanks, Martin. That's quite interesting to think about all of those different things that it affects there. So, you know, the rates have gone down, that's great, but why, why do people find it so hard to quit smoking? Well, I'm guessing you've never been a smoker, or at least if you have been, you've never tried to quit. Because, uh, I mean, speaking as somebody who was a smoker for, for several decades, uh, I was a quitter for uh, a good 10 years as well. I kept trying to quit, uh, and, uh, you know, within a year, I, I would relapse. Um, and it's tricky. One thing is there's this... Uh, very strong addictiveness of cigarette smoke and the nicotine in cigarette smoke. But also, we're surrounded by things that can aggravate our chance of relapse, especially if the people in your life, your friends, your relatives, your partners, your workmates, the more they smoke, the harder it is to stay quit. And so what we've seen is uh, smoking has retreated into sort of core populations. And that sort of leads on to something that I was wondering, which was about at-risk groups, and that's something that we mentioned in our guideline. So who is at risk, and, and, and how do we target those people? For starting to smoke, it is, without a doubt, kids from disadvantaged communities, kids who, whose parents smoke. I mean, we've been really good at uh, reducing the, the opportunities that tobacco company ha- companies have to promote their products to young people so it's a long time since we've had those uh, billboards uh, on you know on the streets advertising you know all the premium brands but more recently we've got rid of tobacco displays in shops so kids who are going to spend their pocket money aren't confronted by this wall of tobacco products and most recently of course we've got standard packs these kind of 
murky brown packs with uh, large picture warnings on the front of the packs. Uh, and we know that these are really effective in uh, making smoking seem much less appealing to young people. That's for kids, for adults. Uh, mental health is probably one of the biggest things. And it's funny because giving up smoking is as effective at uh, reducing uh, anxiety and depression as a course of SSRIs. Um, we've got good evidence to show that. So actually, far from making you more anxious and worsening your mental health, which is the thing people used to assume about quitting, quitting improves your mental health. So what interventions are out there to help these people? You know, we've got a nice guideline on this very topic. What, what are the most effective interventions? We have been blessed with really good, nice guidance for many years. Pretty much um, the whole of my tobacco control career, we've had this really good, nice guidance on uh, what works. And uh, basically, it's uh, pharmacotherapy plus behavioural support. The combination of uh, quick medications like uh, nicotine replacement therapy and really good behavioural support. So that's not... You know, somebody just telling you, oh, take your drugs every morning and come back and tell me if you have any difficulties. But, you know, structured behavioural uh, support. Hello? Hi, James. It's Amy from NICE calling here. So that's me phoning James, who smoked for over 40 years and recently quit the habit. The surgeon said to me, he said, you're going to lose your legs. Well, you're going to lose at least one of your legs. You know, if you don't pack in, and and I think that was a spare and incentive. Uh, come out of there, me and the wife. We only had two cigarettes left. We had them before we got the bus home, and that was the last ones we smoked. And how does it feel having stopped smoking? Well, I spoke to Lorna Hardy, and she explains. I think the massive, the, the biggest, hugest thing that I never thought I'd feel is freedom. When I look at my friends and family who smoke and they don't realise how trapped they are because they're running out of cigarettes and they've got to have a cigarette, it's almost that panic around it and you don't realise that you're in that frame of mind until you get completely out of it. But I can remember having to have a cigarette before a certain thing or panicking because I didn't have enough time or I was going to run out of the last cigarette. And, you know, it's just con you're constantly um, kind of, I would say, trapped by it. And it sounds dramatic, but you do. And then when you don't smoke, you realise the total freedom around the financial implications, the health implications, and the, the, all of that just disappears. And it makes you feel so much better, not just in your body, but mentally as well. It really does. If you want to help them quit successfully, obviously you have to use the kind of evidence-based interventions that are directed here in this guidance. And that's not just local government. As we come to you know, look at the NHS forward plan, uh, you know, a 10-year plan, as the NHS becomes really very interested again in what it can practically do to help smokers to quit, to treat tobacco dependence uh, as a clinical issue, which is it is, of course, then it's important that uh, trusts do what works. And speaking of what works, I'm sure many of our listeners out there are eager to hear about the evidence behind e-cigarettes because there has been some um, debate about it. What What is the latest evidence on e-cigarettes? Well, there was a lot of debate in the group about it. It was an issue that we took very, very seriously and, uh, you know, 
was it this time last year that um, there was a, a big Ferrari in the media about how nice and PHE disagreed uh, on e-cigarettes? Well, we don't. We agree completely. And indeed, this guidance directs people to the PHE review. So, yeah, e-cigarettes are substantially less harmful than smoking. PHE has said e-cigarettes are 95% less harmful than smoking. And I guess the reason we've put a number on it is because increasingly people believe that vaping is at least as harmful as smoking. Now, I'm going to repeat that slowly. <laughs> people increasingly believe that vaping is at least as harmful as smoking. And you might think, oh, well, okay, obviously they're wrong. The RCP reckons it's 5% of the risk. PHE reckons it's 5% of the risk. The US National Academy uh, reckons it's far less harmful. But what harm does it do? if people think that vaping is harmful. I mean, it'll just discourage them from starting. Well, that's right. But uh, overwhelmingly, the people it discourages are smokers. So not everybody feels ready now to make that quit attempt. Now, there's never a wrong time to try and quit, uh, but uh, people often feel like there's something that they have to get through. They, I guess they have to get... Uh, their head in the right place. And so uh, it is true that you're going to be much more likely to succeed um, if, you, uh, if you've if you got the, your skills already, if you have the capability uh, to do that. Then if you're grabbing the right opportunity to quit, that's going to be really uh, important as well. And finally, of course, uh, that you've got the right motivation. So if we can help people uh, smokers get into a place where uh, they're feeling capable, they can see the opportunity and they're feeling motivated, then they're much more likely to quit successfully. I would definitely t no, t kind of, I would say build up to it. Don't just, don't just make kind of a, a really, really kind of lighthearted decision. Think about the reasons why you want to quit smoking and all the reasons why you don't enjoy smoking and I would then look at all the different methods that are out there to support you so whether it be attending something like a clinic like myself or whether it be you know a support group you know the lot whatever it might be I would do some research and then look at what what, what is best for you as an individual I think preparing and getting your, your, yourself mentally and physically ready to stop smoking is the way forward and how are we helping people make these more informed decisions interesting well there are uh, a range of uh, public health approaches uh, that we're deploying pretty much all at once. So campaigns like Stoptober, which encourage people uh, to quit. And then we're going to come back in January with our annual kind of health harms campaign so that uh, Stoptober often reaches people who maybe are less likely to have tried to quit before, whereas the January health harms campaigns, that tends to reach people who have who've tried to quit. They're going to try again. They can see January the 1st coming and that's going to be it. That's going to be their opportunity. And they're really clear and they've got what they need and they're determined. So that's great. So we've got those things going on. Standard packaging, of course, is quite useful because it's a kind of taken away a lot of the glitz and glamour of uh, smoking. Uh, smoke-free public places and smoke-free homes. Um, the last time we looked at the survey data, over half of smokers in England lived in a smoke-free home. Interesting. All sorts of different ways that are helping helping the cause. Um, and just to sort of round up this discussion, which has been really interesting, thank you. Are we optimistic for the future? What, what, are, we, what are we hoping for the future of tobacco? Uh, we are extremely optimistic and I mean, 
I was looking at the uh, trajectory for smoking prevalence uh, the other day, and I was looking at when I'm entitled to claim my pension, and uh, we're going to get smoking prevalence too low for me to have this as my last job, because at the rate things are going, I'm going to run out of work. So either uh, I have to uh, reskill or I have to persuade some smokers to keep smoking, and I don't think I'm going to do the latter. In fact, we hear rumbles from uh, the Department of Health and, and from the ministers that hmm, we published a tobacco control plan and that was all very well, but maybe we could kind of work a bit harder. Uh, maybe we could make Martin really put his back into it. Great, I'm up for that. Uh, I, smoking rates are falling faster than ever before. Let's bend that curve even further. And if you would like to find out more information, you can visit the NICE website and find our Stop Smoking Interventions guideline, as well as all of our work on smoking cessation. A big thank you again to Martin and Public Health England for chatting to me. I hope you found it as interesting as I did. Also, a big thank you to Fresh Charity for putting me in touch with James and Lorna. And last but not least, thank you to all of you listening. Maybe a few of you will be left inspired to give the quits a go this month.